0: From Decrypt SEO, this is the Decrypt Daily, and my name is Matthew Aaron. Today on the show, Horizon Teams with Sokoba, self-key and your digital identity on the blockchain, and the crypto curator, Mr. Paul McNeil, comes on the show to talk $100,000 Bitcoin. Is it a possibility? Coming up on the Decrypt Daily. What's up, everybody? How are you doing? Today is Tuesday, November 10th, 2020, and I am on a detox from news. I After the election, I cannot do it anymore. I've been watching, listening, involved in the news and politics since Iowa caucus, since before that. And it's been a two-hour-a-day, at least, venture of myself. So I haven't looked at the news in the past couple of days, and I feel great. More music, audiobooks, and other podcasts, NPR, CNN, I've had enough. I'm not turning back on the news until January 1st. But one thing I will never do is stop reading the crypt and crypto news. I have a big show for you today. But before we get into that show, let's talk about those crypto prices.
1: Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks.
0: And I'm recording this at 2 30 Eastern Standard Time. Bitcoin is sitting at $15,280. Down just a little bit from yesterday, down about 20 bucks or so. Ethereum up just a little bit at $446, Litecoin down 1.8% from yesterday at $58.19, Chainlink 1290 up 2.2% from yesterday and XRP up 2.2% as well sitting at $0.25.6. Total market cap for all of cryptocurrency is $441.6 billion with the BTC dominance dropping just a little bit from yesterday at 64.1%. And here's a cool little factoid. We have Bitcoin billionaires back with the rise of Bitcoin. There is more Bitcoin billionaires. And here are the top five. Tyler and Cameron Winklevoss, the Winklevite twins, the CEOs and founders of Gemini Exchange. Now, back in the day, they were still worth a billion dollars, but in combined total. But now they are $1 billion at peace. Brian Armstrong, the CEO and founder of Coinbase, estimated worth $1 billion. Mr. CZ Zhao, the CEO and founder of Binance, $1.2 Chris Lawson co-founder of XRP, 2.4 billion. McCree John, the co-founder of Bitmain, 3.2 billion dollars. And honorable mention, Satoshi Nakamoto, with an estimated 1.1 million Bitcoin, sitting at 16 plus billion dollars. Now remember, MicroStrategy made a big purchase the other day of 425 million dollars. It went up to 500 and something million dollars. All we need to do is pop 20K, maybe 21K, and they're also a billionaire hodler. Of Bitcoin. How many more billionaires are we going to see? Man, talking about that, Mr. Paul McNeil and myself, we're going to talk about how many millionaires we can see. Here's Mr. Paul McNeil, the crypto curator, talking about the possibilities of $100,000 Bitcoin.
2: Hey, Brad. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it.
0: Look, you are on a Twitter hair talking about the price every single day. You're talking about predictions from Plan B. We're talking about predictions from Pomp. We're talking about predictions from even Bloomberg and uh, you know the Squawk Box. Everybody is talking Bitcoin in the possible all-time highs and $100,000 Bitcoin. Man, what are people saying?
2: I tell you, the range is everywhere, but you know, I'm starting to see some consistency in these predictions. The predictions that I'm seeing coming across, for whatever reason, that magic number of $100,000 is what everyone is glued in on. And it appears that that looks like where we're headed in the next year.
0: Um, so why are people glued in on the $100,000 price? You don't know why I'm asking that is because you know, when we saw 1000 to $20,000, we are talking about a 19 or 20x gain. Why aren't people just saying $400,000?
2: Um, For some reason, I think that's the next natural progression. Uh, I know, and I'll I'll, I'll put it this way. So on the stock to flow model that was created by Plan B, he's a Dutch quant, um, his model has a hundred thousands being that next level and people like round numbers. And so that's what I think we're looking at. Now, I will say that uh, Plan B has also said in his stock to flow X, which is another model he came up with, which is the second iteration of that, he does target 288,000 plus. And we've had other people who've also recommended more than that 100,000 within the next couple of years.
0: And, and what does what the crypto curator think? Is crypto curator confident with 100,000? Now, I'm not saying that we're going to go tell people to huddle until 100,000 or anything. This is not financial advice. I'm not that kind of show. This is the news and people are reporting on it. But what are you saying, man?
2: Yeah, you know, I told most people that I saw between 17 and 20 thousand before the end of this year. I am going to revise that. I'm, I'm honestly thinking 20 thousand is possible by the end of this year. I know most people still say within Q one, and we're at 20 thousand, and that might be possible by the end of 2021. Again, I'm going to be of the mindset that we could possibly be close to 100 thousand dollars by the end of. Next year, so December 2021, Plan B said he no doubt believes that it's going to be a hundred thousand. Pump is calling 90 to a hundred thousand, right? There are multiple people that are pushing that, and I don't have a reason to doubt that.
0: Do you think that this is going to change the world? A hundred thousand dollar Bitcoin? I mean, look, there's 143,000 addresses, Bitcoin addresses, right now with enough Bitcoin to become millionaires. If it hits a thousand, $100,000 Bitcoin, do you think that we're going to see an influx of new money? Do you think that we're going to see a new influx of government crackdown? Do you think we're going to see an embrace by financial institutions? What does $100,000 mean to the day-to-day life of the Bitcoin hodler?
2: Yeah, $100,000 is going to mean a lot. And you're absolutely right. I think it's going to mint a lot of millionaires uh, with that 100000 But as you mentioned about banning, I just sent a tweet out because there was someone... Anthony Pompliano, I believe, was talking about what would it look like for the government to ban Bitcoin. He did not say that they would ban Bitcoin, but he gave a scenario about them banning it. And if they even attempted to ban it here, every other country could all of a sudden get on the Bitcoin standard. And now the U.S. looks crazy. That's what happened with gold. So I think that Barry Silbert already gave his case. He says, I don't think we're ever going to see Bitcoin being banned by the U.S. government. I have to agree with him. I don't. A hundred thousand Bitcoin is going to change things a lot for a lot of people.
0: For a lot of people and individuals, what do you say? What do you think about the economy? What do you think about the government? Look, you put out a tweet the other day that says, "Does price reflect adoption? If we see higher price, we even have more adoption. Do you think that they're they're inclusive or exclusive of each other? And if we do see adoption, where is that adoption coming from? The average mom and pop, or is it becoming from the financial banks?"
2: I think it's circular. I think it really is circular. Listen, they've talked about this. This is the way that Shatoshi planned it, I think. And I think it's mentioned something about this in the white paper. I'm going to get this totally wrong. But these boom-bust cycles are by design because each time you have this bubble run up, it attracts a lot of attention. And then you have this crash. And, of course, everybody's like, oh. And then it runs up again. You have this huge bubble, and everyone jumps in. Each phase, if you pay attention, at first it was cypherpunks. We got that first run up, and then we got some of us retail folks. People started tuning in. The next run up, started seeing the institutions and things like that. The next run up, now you got these billionaires, family offices, right? They're all in it. The next run up, it's going to continue to attract the bigger and bigger players each time we run up. I don't think the retail investor can have as much impact as the family offices that are coming in, as all the money coming in from these registered investment advisors, Opening the gates to trillions of dollars, it's a game changer.
0: Well, they got they got a guy that I know to retire from the army and start talking about uh, Bitcoin and cryptocurrency tur- all the time. So um, that's that's a hell of a retail investor right there. Uh, so you, you say you say boom and bust, you say boom and crash. What do you think the next low that is? Look, we didn't we saw our last low was still 3x the previous all-time high. So we're talking about our next low is going to be 25 dollars $30,000 Bitcoin. That's
2: absolutely right. I believe we can see ourselves run up to 100000 crash 80% and be back down at 20000 which is still higher <laughs> than where we are right now. And then it's going to start this process all over again, right? Eventually, it's going to run up to half a million, crash. It'll repeat in it just keeps going up to a million plus. And there are some people that have called and said that Bitcoin can reach $10 million. And that's the hyper Bitcoinization.
0: Paul, what do you think that we should be looking for in the next six months? Look, there's a lot of people that are only getting this news. And as we saw it back in 2017, we were both there. We were both looking at it. We saw this, we saw Bloomberg. We saw Squawk Box. We saw Forbes. We, then we saw Fox. And we saw CNN start reporting to this. And then you had uh, other people starting to get in the space. What do you think that we should be looking for in the next six months to make us either confident or weary about the, the, the way the price is going? And what should we tell these new people getting into the space?
2: Absolutely. So where are we going in the next six months? Keep your eye on two things. And this wasn't me saying this. Again, I'm just regurgitating what I've heard. I believe it was Mike Novogratz who have said it. actually I take it back. It was Mark Yusko who said it several times. Two things in order to get mass adoption, regulation and custody. What are we seeing today? We're seeing more custody players come onto the scene. We just saw the SEC come out with their new policy and I haven't dove into it and can tell you everything about it but at at a, at a bare minimum Caitlin Long said this is great news for custody because it's going to allow the registered investment advisors to feel more confident putting their clients into Bitcoin. So that's on one side. The other side, again, regulatory wise, I think you're going to see friendlier and friendlier regulation come out. Now, some of the regulation is going to probably piss off the crypto people because it's going to put things in place that Bitcoin's not, that we say Bitcoin's designed to avoid. But if we get better regulation, you're going to see more and more institutional type players enter. Again, it's giving confidence to the billionaires, to the high net worth individuals. Again, you got you got logic coming in, right? You know, you're going to start seeing more and more of these famous people that have a lot of money. They need a place to put it. Bitcoin's going to be the answer. So within the next six months, keep your ear to the ground and look for anything that says custody. Look for anything that says regulation. As a matter of fact, I think a new uh, broker-dealer just came online for security tokens, right? So when we see this continue to happen, it's just setting the foundation for more and more mass adoption. And once we get true mass adoption, it's to the moon.
0: People say I look like Logic, man. Do I? Think, you think I look like Logic? You look like a Logic. Damn. All right. <laughs> just
2: put on some put on some glasses, brother. You're there. Then start throwing down some rap. <laughs>
0: That, that's that's great, man. That's great. Uh, I want to get that Grammy <laughs> in my room, though. Jameson Lop has been tweeting a lot about custodial services, as you just mentioned. Uh, They're IOUs. That means the bank or these financial services are holding that crypto for the consumer, the person who bought it. If it's PayPal now, if it's uh, Hood that are offering the average consumer the ability to pay, they hold your Bitcoin. My question is, the, the slippery slope I see here is that if enough institutions in it, if enough people are comfortable buying Bitcoin, they're buying through their banks, they're buying through their Hoods, they're buying through their PayPals, the government and the financial institution and ultimately the Fed will control Bitcoin. Is that a right assumption or not?
2: Uh, it's a fair assumption. Uh, and I think we won't know until it happens. And that's why I think the message that Jameson Lop and a lot of the Bitcoin Maxims have There is some validity to it. Not your keys, not your coins. Now, I believe it was Andreas Antonopoulos that says, listen, I got several buckets, right? I got a bucket over here that I'm hodling forever. That's stored away on hardware devices and locked away in 50 million places. And then I have a bucket that I trade with and I have fun with. And I got a bucket that I spend with. So I think people need to take that sort of stance when you're looking at digital assets. It's not a one case fits all. I think you can do multiple things multiple assets, Multiple
0: ways, totally not what I asked, though. I asked <laughs> <laughs> I, I, if the if the mom and pop or or me or you or my brother, or whoever that's buying their first Bitcoin, and then they huddle their Bitcoin and buy continually to buy Bitcoin as an investment or portfolios or whatever, it's gonna be held by the banks. With the banks are issuing IOUs, it's not your coins. If the more if, if billions or trillions of dollars come into the market and people's 401ks are hedged with Bitcoin. Who controls that? Who owns it? It's going to be trillions of dollars in the Fed's pocket. Is that a concern?
2: For, for me, it's not a concern because with your statement and with your question, you're making a huge assumption. You're making an assumption that everyone is going to do that. That's not the case. That won't happen. This market is going to be a plethora of different types of people. So yes, I will agree with you. If everyone did that, you're darn right. We've got a huge problem on our hand because the government now can shut everything down. High surveillance of course. But that's not going to be the case. You're going to have people do this in different ways. Listen, I'm not going to be one of those people. I'm never buying Bitcoin on PayPal. I'm never buying Bitcoin on Robinhood. I'm never buying Bitcoin where I don't control the key to that Bitcoin or or that address. Now, at the same time, Yes, I will have my some of my assets on platforms where I am earning yield because they are out there, it, it, it makes sense to do so. Why wouldn't I wanna do that? BlockFi, your Celsius, your Voyagers, those platforms are out there, I'm gonna have some assets on those platforms earning my yield. I might even participate in some of the DeFi. Hey, listen, the ETH 2.0 is coming, the staking looks amazing, right? I might put some ETH into the 2.0 pool so I can earn some yield that way. But it's not everything, right? So I think that the system is designed in such a way that everyone is not going to give their assets in places where the government control all Bitcoin. It won't happen.
0: Man, you have to keep bringing up stuff that I want to ask more questions about, man. And, and I, I'm trying to end this interview, but now I got to ask another question. Okay. And, and that is you're earning your yields, man. Look, I saw the F2.0 staking. It's going to be like 14.3% or something like that. That's a very amazing um, API. I am I would hope to stake if I could figure out how to do that. And they actually have some wallets that allow me to feel, feel, feel comfortable. Cred just went bankrupt. Now, how much confidence do you think people should have, uh, you know, going into these yield services or these staking services, you know, as you said, BlockFi or, or Celsius? I mean, if people are, credit already went tits up, went bankrupt, and people are still trying to c- claim again, why should people have that confidence?
2: Yeah, again, I, I I look at BlockFi, I look at Celsius. Uh, those are what I would call best of breed. Uh, actually, I will even toss Voyager in that pool as well. Voyager is a publicly traded company. They are, they've been audited and they are continually audited. I believe Celsius, Alex Mashinsky, 2.2 billion assets under management came out today, right? BlockFi, those guys are doing well. I, I don't see any of those. That's why I try and tell people, if you're going to do this yielding stuff, at least Play with people that have some some level of security to them. Now again, are they perfect? No, BlockFi got hacked. Uh, I think it was earlier this year or last year. They got hacked. The hack that occurred did not get rid. I mean, it wasn't compromising any assets. It was just information. But I think they fixed that. They are now going to be battle tested as they continue to operate year after year, that Lindy effect, they're never going to go away. I see them as I see JP Morgan, Goldman Sachs. These are tried and true institutions where people trust, high levels of trust. They haven't really had any serious incidents. And even if they did, they were covered and insured. And I think both Alex and Zach are well secured as far as money wise. I think they would make good anybody that got hacked or had their stuff stolen or whatever. So I don't see him
0: going tits up. And if anybody wants to listen to my interview with Alex Mashinsky, he was on the show last week. Listen to what he has to say. And remember what the crypto curator just said, that he thinks that they'll do good. We have to make sure and you want to make sure that they will do good. You can hear what Alex has to say about that on that interview. Mr. Paul McNeil, the crypto curator, thank you very much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Hackers are draining $10 million a month from DeFi, says a report. DeFi hacks have cost crypto platforms and users $100 million so far this year, according to CypherTrace. During the first half of 2020, DeFi thefts accounted for 40% of all crypto thefts and hacks. CypherTrace suggested that DeFi protocols are particularly vulnerable to fraud and money laundering. Next up, we have Mr. Rob Viglione, the CEO and founder of Horizon, talking about their partnership with Sokoba. Hey, Matt, it's been a while. It has been a while. It has been a long while. I don't know why we waited this long, but I'm happy that we did because now we have some news coming out of Horizon today. Coba, partnership, you guys, sidechain, zero-knowledge proof. Tell me about it. So this is the new direction
1: for Horizon, actually. Since the last time we spoke, we've implemented what we said we were going to do, which is basically the sidechain system that, in in this case, performs certain services for other blockchains. Uh, So we, we announced last week we're partnered with Celsius Network. building a blockchain for them, a side chain on Horizon to do services for them. This week we're announcing Sokova, and this is gonna be kind of a new path for us as providing services in this case with Sokova, zero knowledge proofs of, of informal credit transactions on their network. So basically you take their private network where they have this financial data, and instead of revealing the data to the world, we, we can do zero-knowledge proofs from their chain to our chain, and our chain's entire purpose is to verify the proofs are valid.
0: You know what I love? when I love when a blockchain company can come on and say, we did exactly what we said we're going to do. <laughs> that is a powerful statement that most people would, uh, would just gloss right by, and I just want to point that out. So once people have this zero-knowledge proof, and they're using this now, and this is integrated perfectly, what, what does that mean for the whole ecosystem? What does it mean for Horizon? What does that mean for Sokoba? C- C- C-
1: Yeah, I mean, this is a really powerful, just kind of little hint of where we're going. Is we can provide services like bulk services for other chains, where the other chain can keep doing what it's going to do, but you can actually validate information integrity with our Truth Engine. So our Truth Engine is built with Zero Knowledge uh, technology. So we have a whole Zero Knowledge library called Ginger Lib, and there are tools in there designed specifically using our sidechain technology to perform zero, like proving and, and verification services for other other processes. In this case, informal credit with IOUs, uh, in the case with Celsius is for uh, validating that the interest payments across their application mm. with $2 billion in asset owner management are actually valid and all add up with each other without revealing the information of who's actually getting paid what. Uh, So the technology is absolutely powerful, I think massively underrated right now, but you're going to see just a stream of these announcements over the coming weeks and months from us that we're going to be supporting other blockchains at this core functionality.
0: Awesome, man. Well, good luck to you. And I can't wait for you to come back on and tell us some more good news. Robert Viglione, founder of Horizon. I'll talk to you again soon.
1: Thanks, Matt. Cheers.
0: A former Microsoft engineer has been jailed for nine months after he defrauded his employer of $10 million. The case is the first of its kind in the United States involving Bitcoin and tax, according to the IRS. Volodymyr Kavchuk employed a Bitcoin mixing service to mask the source of funds entering his bank account. And what did he buy with all his money? Well, a Tesla, which I can't blame him. I would probably get one too. And other luxury goods. He's been ordered to pay $8.34 million in restitution. And that's on top of the nine years in prison identity on the blockchain is one of the best use cases for blockchain technology in my opinion and that goes hand in hand with voting on the blockchain you need a secure way to prove your identity when you're voting for something so important as the united states presidential election well self key is working on identity on the blockchain and here to talk about it is their ceo and founder mr edmund lowell to talk about some of their new releases
3: thanks for having me matthew
0: SelfKey came out with Certifier's Platform, and it's live right now. First, I want you to do us a big favor. Tell us what is SelfKey, and then what is a Certifier's Platform?
3: Right. So SelfKey is a platform for managing your digital identity. It has mainly three different parties, right? It has you as the identity owner. It has a certifier who you go to to get documents certified. And then it has a relying party like a bank, like a registered agent, who then sets up a company or bank account for you. So this is a huge development for us because now you can go into the self-key wallet, non-custodial wallet. You can put your passport there. You can share it with the certifier, registered U.S. notary, get that document notarized electronically, and then share it with the bank all from your home. Don't even have to go outside.
0: So let me just get this straight. You upload a picture or something of your passport or identity. It gets notarized, and then your identity is basically on the blockchain within a wallet with a private key.
3: Yeah. So we don't put any PII on the blockchain. What we do do PII. Oh, sorry. Personal identifiable information. is like a legal term. Gotcha. Um, we wouldn't want to put your passport on the blockchain, Matthew. That would be a bad idea, right? Don't, don't want to do that because then it can't be deleted and, and it's just no good. Um, but what we would do is we'd give you a credential that you, then you can use to minimize your information sharing and to prove with uh know, 100% certainty that something did happen at X date. So let me give you a quick example, right? You want to go into a club, you're over 21 years old, um, but you don't necessarily want to share with the bouncer your exact address, right? You just want to prove that you're over 21. So you can share with him a credential that's signed by a notary that proves that you're over 21. And that's just one example of getting into a club in the US. But, um, you know, this could be extended to all types of different identity interactions, which you do every day.
0: And so, what is the certifiers platform then?
3: So, certifiers platform is real-life notaries who are able to legally notarize, certify your documents, and then from that process, you get two things: you get the PDF that's electronically signed in the traditional way, and you also get this verifiable credential, which is a JSON object, uh, you know, formatted in a specific way, and then a hash of that is put on chain.
0: Right on. So, really quick, uh, last question I have for you is one. I, th- I I'm a big fan of identity of the blockchain. I think that you know if you have your identity there and you can certify who you are, we're going to have a lot of issues mitigated because of that. What do you think are some issues that you'd want to? Be, I mean, I don't think going into a club is an issue for, per, per se. You either get <laughs> in, you don't get in. But like, what are some of like the bigger ideas that you have for your identity? Identity certified on a blockchain.
3: Right. So getting into a club may not be a big idea, but the the fact that so much of our data is stolen, is lost, is misused because we're oversharing our information is a big problem, right? That's one of the biggest problems of our time. Mm -hmm. It's been said that data is the new oil. Well, self-sovereign identity is refined oil. And self-sovereign identity doesn't need blockchain, but blockchain does need self-sovereign identity. Think of all the times you signed up for an exchange, that you've signed up for a crypto loan, that you've signed up for these different products and services, and you're sharing your identity with these random companies that you quite frankly can't trust. And we're out to kind of change that and make it a bit more secure for you to interact with your identity over the internet.
0: And what about voting? Can we, can we use it for voting maybe?
3: Man, I'm not touching that one with like a hundred foot pole. Like, uh, <laughs> that's, that's, uh, that's for somebody else to self and, and good luck to you because that's a whole lot of politics involved with that.
0: Edmund, thank you very much for coming on the show and talking about self key.
3: Matthew, thank you for having me.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Decrypt Daily. Remember, we are on Facebook group page. Check us out. Also, make sure you subscribe, like, and share, and leave us a nice comment on Apple Podcasts. It helps us stay visible so people can get the news when coming into the space. I'll see you tomorrow. Happy HODLing, everybody.